Hi, hello, welcome or welcome back to my podcast, Consistency of Life. It's your internet big sister, Kate, here. And today we're going to be talking about romance recession. So let's get into it. Is romance dead? That is the big question that I've been seeing everywhere. Romance is dead. And the fact of the matter is that we're in an in a intimacy crisis. Romantic and platonic relationships both are at an all-time low and have drastically dropped since 2019. And there's a projection showing that 45% of women from ages 20 to 45 will, by 2030, will be completely single, 45% of American women. And I don't think that that necessarily has to do with the fact that there's a belief that romance is dead. It's the belief that romance can't last a long period of time. First of all, what even is romance? The Oxford Dictionary describes it as a quality or feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. And what is love? The Oxford Dictionary describes that as a quality or feeling of strong or constant affection for and dedication to another. So a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love and strong, constant affection and dedication to one another. I've found through research that romance isn't dead because those qualities are not dead within themselves or non-existent. It's it's that one, morals and values have shifted from long-lasting love to desire and pleasure. And two, society and the media has warped the minds of what romance should be and what it really is when that hasn't, and when that isn't given or returned physically and emotionally, there's a feeling of being failed and failing that overcomes the desire for long-term commitment, long-term love, long-term romance, because now there's a risk that's been associated. And what is that risk that is keeping people from committing? It's heartbreak and the fight or flight feeling that is associated with love because falling in love can actually be really stressful for some people and studies have actually found that cortisol a hormone that's mainly released during times of stress tends to rise in the body when you first fall in love that rise in cortisol actually makes your heart start racing and you have this fight or flight response when you have to decide if you want to actually engage in the relationship like if there's a person if you and a person have been talking for a minute and it's actually getting to a point where you you could see yourself committing to that person a state of fight or flight actually hits your body and with 
and heartbreak, to love is to risk loss. But the fear of heartbreak doesn't just come out of thin air. And lately, I've, I, I think I've been seeing it's more of a, not a fear of love or a fear of romance. It's almost like this, this fear of trust in other people. And it's often the result of, you know, serious disappointment or painful endings in a prior relationship. But as a result of this, this, it's a fear of a lack of trust or trusting someone and then having that trust broken. And then that breaks the trust within yourself and it makes you doubt yourself. But because of that, as a result of, you know, that fear, it almost creates this phobia of which, you know, possesses you know, the fear of, you know, getting hurt again and avoids being in another relationship as a way to, you know, guard against future similar painful experiences. But when you avoid relationships as a whole, you also end up keeping yourself from experiencing the positive aspects of one. And for me personally, this is where I've seen the rise in hookup culture And I know that that's been really talked about lately, but we have to, both men and women, we have to hold ourselves accountable and acknowledge the fact that hookup culture is having a very negative effect on American culture and the, the American dating scene. And I've experienced this myself, and it genuinely comes from a fear of you know, getting hurt by another person, getting hurt again, and the desire to be with someone, but not fully commit yourself to someone. And I can say that because I've been there. I've, I've, like, I've turned myself away from that lifestyle, but I have been in it once before. So I can speak on it. And young women and men are profiting off of short-term, temporary pleasure, which ends up having a larger effect in the long term, in the long run. Like, this short-term, temporary infatuation actually can have a much larger impact as you go on, you know, they've, studies have shown that the first day after hooking up with somebody and after having a one night stand, people feel there's, there was a study that showed that 21% of people felt empowered. Um, 33% of people felt seen and desired. And then the other, um, the rest of the people, there's uh, different divided percentages of which I can't remember. They were, it was a mix of fear and also loneliness. 
because it it didn't actually fill a void or please them in the ways that they were aspiring for. And with hookup culture, you know, sowing your wild oats, for some, it's an act of empowerment. For others, it's a means to an end or, you know, they don't have enough time for a relationship. And then there are just some people that say it's a way of gaining experience for them. And, and to that, I say first, I believe that promoting hookup culture as an act of empowerment is actually incredibly toxic. It's one thing to be hypersexual, but by saying that having sex with strangers or people that really only care about you for your for your goods or you only care about them for their goods is empowerful or empowering is, or is the only way to satisfy or please yourself, it's a complete lie and it also deems intimacy as non-intimate because the act of actually having sex with someone is it is an intimate it is a very intimate thing and what's empowering is that it's your body and you have to have com- and you have complete autonomy over it in some states for one <laughs> um and the way you choose to respect and love yourself that's powerful you also don't need someone else to please you and honestly you're more likely better at doing that for yourself second which kind of plays in the last what i just said wouldn't you rather gain that experience with someone you actually give a shit about or vice versa because you can be good at sex in general, but I guarantee you that you will have amazing sex and be amazing at sex by learning what the person that you're committed to likes and them doing the same for you. And third, random hookups have become normalized also just by how accessible people make themselves to another. There's Tinder, there's you know various dating apps, posting provocative videos and pictures on social media, like fucking thirst traps and whatever. There's Pornhub, OnlyFans. I mean, the list, it really can honestly go on. And this is important to the romance recession and dating crisis we are seeing. And not just because, you know, romance is, you know, just sex and, you know, pleasure and this and that. I mean, it plays into it, but because people are so available and the likes and the views and the attention and the desire and infatuation are starting to be associated with love and romance. When, as I said earlier, defined by romance is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as a quality or feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love, which is a feeling of strong or constant, constant affection for and dedication to another. Strong and constant affection and dedication to another with excitement and mystery. And that's what real love and romance are, according to the Oxford Dictionary and scientists that agree with that term. And it's it's just incredibly harmful. And so I think maybe the real question is, 
why is hookup culture starting to become the better alternative to romance? Some brain studies have actually shown that committed couples who were in love and had been married for over 20 years had the same reward pathways that increased those feelings as those that had just fallen in love. And I mean, this is just proof that it gets better with age, whereas with one night stands, it doesn't, that's as good as it's going to get. And it doesn't fulfill you in any other way than sexually. And even then, that is not guaranteed. And I think that another thing that plays into this is the media, as I said, people just making themselves so accessible themselves but also the songs that we're listening to the movies that we're watching the articles that we're reading there it really depends on the media that you consume i can't speak for every individual person but if you're listening to songs that are you know talking about fucking bitches and getting this and getting that and you know you're watching movies with you know, with, you know, just a lot of where sex just, it's, it's just sex. It's nothing more than just that. Or, you know, you're just, you're reading articles on the sexual empowerment. Like you're gonna think you're gonna value sex more than you're going to value romance and love because that's not hyped up and that's not being advocated for and that's not the trend or aesthetic because it has actually become I've I've actually I'm literally seeing it where it's a trend for people to not even trust their partners when they're in committed relationships so and, and just like talking about how draining it is and how much work it is, I think we've seen a lack of, or at least I have, me personally, I've seen a lack of romanticizing romance and romanticizing falling in love with a person rather than a perception. And that's where we also are finding where people are really setting these incredibly high standards and incredibly high expectations for the opposite sex or same sex or, you know, whoever it is that they're dating, but specifically women placing these incredibly high standards on men. And this plays into the statistic I was talking about earlier, where women, 45% of women from ages 20 to 45 are going to be completely single by 2030 because men have stopped looking because it's either they've stopped looking for committed relationships because one women have with this whole sexual empowerment movement women have made themselves so incredibly easy that it's like okay what else what more can I get what else is out there for me you're obviously not the best thing I can get because I just swiped on on tinder and found you went on a date and was in your bed that same night and then it's and you know the same thing can go for women for men also it's just like why I'm 
why am I going, why am I going to be a wife for you? Like, why, why am I going to be wifey when you're obviously just a fuck boy? It's, it's incredibly toxic for both sides of the team just being so accessible. It's a lack of, it all, it really does come off as a lack of self-respect or a lack of self-love. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can't get some every now and then, but on a very, like, consistent basis just giving yourself away like that it that's one of the factors that's playing into it and then two there's also the high expectations that a man has to have a high paying job has to be incredibly good looking has to be over six feet has to have an incredible has to have incredible style his family has to be good and amazing his family has to love you and you know he can't have mommy issues and this and that and it's just these incredibly high standards and yes you should have high standards but it's pretty much picking men apart and not turning them into a human being you're turning them into a profile which is where social media comes back in again and men aren't human beings anymore they're just what they have to offer now and you have to realize that a man like that is maybe in the top one percent and a lot of women that are asking for that top one percent are nowhere near that top one percent and it's just and the same could go for men also talking about women being super rich not having daddy issues having an amazing body amazing you know you know taking the time to you know cook meals for them and and provide a home for them create a home for them and show up for every single person while also being career driven and it's just you know turning women into profiles as well it having these incredibly high standards but that's also where it plays into where we've stopped looking at people as human beings and more as profiles or more as what they can give us and or this perception of that if we have somebody who is all of this and more then I will love them and that they will give me what I desire and that we'll have romance and that is where we saw the huge, huge skyrocket of divorce in the 1960s. And it and it was because, and other certain periods, but mainly in the 1960s, because people didn't marry for love. They married young, or they married, or they had they married for money, or they married for social status, or they married because they believe this person was going to fulfill them or fix their problems. And, you know, it's, they, and they ended up, you know, people that have poor mental health and people that ended up getting divorces, you know, that was an adding factor, you know, when, you know, having poor mental health as well or, and, or marrying just for the family unit and then getting that family unit and realizing, oh, I don't actually like you now that you've given me what I wanted from you. And 
using that and people have used that to promote independent and single lives rather than promoting healing or marrying for the right reasons or committing to people for the right reasons, loving people for the right reasons. Because that's because we also have to acknowledge the roles that our parents or lack thereof are also playing into romantic relationships and because a lot of people they don't want a partner they want a parent and that applies to both men and women and you should not have to be somebody else's parent and you should not want a parent at all where i'm trying to get at is that though because of that that fear because of getting entangled with somebody that is unhealed that fear has bled into not wanting to show up for people at all or showing up for people in physical and emotional ways are a burden when in reality romance as i've been saying is the act of showing up for one another consistently in physical and emotional ways and by and and you're able to avoid that with social media and you know i've talked about this in last podcast with you know my social media podcast which if you haven't listened to already you should go listen to but you're not really are you really connecting or are you just creating contacts and i've talked about that before and it's honestly getting to a point where you're when you're doing when you're just entertaining social media and you know hookup culture and you're just getting the perks without the actual work or effort or commitment but with that you're also not getting that love you're not getting that real intimacy you're not getting that trust and that vulnerability which i believe is actually where a huge part of this is coming in is where we're seeing this dating crisis in this romance recession is this lack of trust within not just other people but within oneself to be vulnerable and have that reciprocated in a very genuine way but also to not have you know that vulnerability trampled on within genuinity and that's where i believe that coming into if you are actually looking for love and for romance and relationship or even just creating self-love within yourself this also applies to self-love you have to be completely honest and vulnerable you have to be completely truthful so that you can create a strong foundation the foundation that you lay a relationship on top of is what will determine if it will last or not and i'm not going to go into what you know really makes a a relationship last and i'm not really going to go into long-term relationships within themselves because you know i don't really have 
the enough experience experience to really speak on that. But when it comes to actually dating and romance in love, I have enough to know that the reason there's a huge lack is because of the fear of heartbreak and then that fight or flight mode that's kicked in when you finally do find someone. I think that that is so incredibly interesting that when you actually find someone that you could feel that you could commit to, a sense or fight or flight kicks in where it's like, holy shit, I, do I actually want to be with this person or not? And it's a very big decision and can put a lot of stress on you. And for some, at least, it's and you end up dipping because even though you could, you do have a romantic relationship with that person, it's just that fight or flight mode convinces you that you'd be better off without this person or without all of this stress, which is really just a temporary feeling. It's just, it's almost like the challenge to getting to that, the next phase. And I think for me, it's, it's almost like a strike on a strike on vulnerability and a strike on trusting one another. I really think that that is what it's come down to is a lack of genuine long-term connection, a lack of trust and vulnerability. And I believe that once we heal that part of ourselves individually as a society, we could turn this dating crisis around. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know it's a little bit of a touchy and controversial subject, and I, I probably didn't touch every single point um, that there is to talk about, but it it was fun and it was it was interesting to do research on this and, you know, get my my own opinion on it, do my own personal research with, you know, dating as an adult now. It is quite interesting. And I, I, I really do believe that romance is not dead. It's just that morals and values have shifted honestly the the game has shifted the goal of the game isn't really commitment it's how many people can you connect with so take what you will from that and i hope you have an amazing and beautiful morning day or night wherever you're at (laughs) 